Hi, and welcome to the podcast from Knox Presbyterian Church in McDonald's Corners, Ontario. Knox is part of a three-church charge between Elfin, Snow Road, and McDonald's Corners. Each Sunday, there's a 9.30 a.m. service in Elfin or Snow Road, and then again at Knox in McDonald's Corners. If you are able to join us next week, we'd love to see you at one of our services. If not, we hope this reaches you wherever you are. This audio recording is from the 11 a.m. service with Pastor Philip Roblard. For more information, please contact us on our Facebook page. Good morning. morning. We're glad to see each of you here today and uh, trust that you've come to receive from the Lord and uh, enjoy good fellowship. I'm going to ask Tom to come and uh, share the announcements with us today. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Um, I guess we should start with birthdays. Now, we didn't get to sing the melody. Melody. But I also hear there was a big anniversary quite recently, so I think we should maybe mention that too. Bill and Carol had a 60th, I believe. Wow. Whoa. Oh, we'll do one at a time.
Cleanup will be Monday at 7, uh, 6 p.m. So we got lots of work ahead. And I think that's all the announcements we got. Thank you. <coughs> the uh, it's always good to celebrate these things. After all, there are milestones. And I, I remember somebody saying, well, I think it was Melanie who said to me, well, you know, there's a lot of people who never get to this, this far. So there you go. It's the truth. And certainly not many people get to be 60 years together in this day and age which we live. So God is good. Uh, let's, the call to worship is in your, um, your bulletins, and it's based on Psalm 90. And uh, I will lead, and the people of God will respond. Lord, you are our dwelling place throughout all generations. A thousand years are like a day that has passed by like a snap. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love. Make us glad with the years that we do have. May the favor of our Lord rest upon us. Establish the work of our hands in us, O Lord. Yes, establish the work of our hands. We are going to start by singing the uh, insert that's in your bulletin. We have come into this house to gather in his name, to worship him, and I'm going to ask Linda if she just played it through once. Thank you for your love and we thank you for your presence, which is here among us. 
And we ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will guide our worship. May our hearts be open to your word. May our, 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 our thoughts be attentive to all that you have for us, Lord, because we love you and we desire you. Forgive our sins, Lord. After all, we do fall short many times in the week. But we know that we can come to you and you'll forgive us. And so we confess our sins to you this morning, knowing full well that you'll forgive us. Be with us throughout the remainder of this service. Through Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. Um, number 674 is in the vault. There's a flower. I'm going to ask the kids to come forward, if you would. Uh, and meet up here. All right, let's let's sing it together. Number six seventy four. Doesn't pollute. Well, there's so many things that pollute, right? 
uh, helps self-esteem, generates goodwill, there's no batteries required, absolutely no cost, non-taxable. Parents, we appreciate that. It's not taxable. It's a silent performance, it's extremely personal, and it's fully returnable. Just like your returnable uh, empties. No, that one doesn't <laughs> But it is returnable because you can give it back, right? You can give it back. Anyway, the slide is recommended grade is 1 to 100 and up. A hawk is important. You know, uh, I really believe that the kids should get a hug at least 10 times a day. Did you know that? 10 times. I bet you get hugs. Oh, I know you do. You've got a hundred parents. You know, it's important. The Bible tells us that we are to give holy hugs. That's what the Bible says. I'm not making this up. Holy hugs to those who are part of the family of God. And since we're all part of the family of God, then we're going to do that as we go. I'll pray with you and then make sure you can give everybody at least one hug. How's that? And everyone here are supposed to do the same. Okay? Not just to the kids, but to one another. Alright? So, we're going to pray for kids. Ask the Lord to bless them and take whatever children's kids. Father, I thank you for our kids. They are so precious. They're precious in your sight, but they're also precious to us. We ask the Lord to bless them and take whatever children's church. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being able to show that we love others. And we can do it with the hug, and it's, it's very inexpensive. As a matter of fact, Lord, it just gives affirmation as well and approval of another person. And so, Lord, bless us. As a people of God, that we may be quicker to give somebody a hug who needs one. Because there are many people in this world who don't ever get one. Christ will be did you know that there's some people who don't get one? Just let everybody stand up. You can't go there. You can't give anybody one. Right? Okay. Stand. Adults. And uh, make sure that you reach across the aisle and give everybody a hug. Eric, give a hand. Thank you.
I'll tell you a story about when I was in Toronto at, um, at Faith Community. Uh, when we had communion, it was the custom to come up for prayer. Only everybody came up. Not only did they come up, but they gave me a hug. And, and like, they don't just go from the congregation. The parents go down and get the kids at Children's Church, bring them up, and bring them to the front. So... By the time I was done in the day, we're talking over 100 people here at that time. 100, sometimes one Sunday we had 140. And man, I was tired after I was done, but I thought, what a, a refreshing thing to be loved and let and other people let you know that you are loved. And so I, uh, I think it's a very important thing to do. Let us together... Um, uh, Pray the prayer together for preparing our hearts to receive God's word. It's in your bulletin. Prepare our hearts, O God, while we listen to your word. Silence in us any voice but your own. As we hear, may we respond, I'm willing, while obeying your will. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And um, Joel is going to come and read from 1 Timothy chapter 2. 2 verses 1 to 8. It's actually chapter 1 verses 1 to 8. Okay. I, Paul, am an apostle on a special assignment for Christ, our living hope. Under God, our Savior's command, I am writing this to you, Timothy, my son in the faith. All the best from our God and Christ be yours. On my way to the province of Macedonia, I advise you to stay in Ephesus. While I haven't changed my mind, stay right there on top of things so that the teaching will stay on track. Apparently, some people have been introducing fantasy stories and fanciful family trees that digress into silence instead of pulling the people back into the center, deepening faith and obedience. The whole point of what we are urging is simply love. Love uncontaminated by self-interest and counterfeit faith. A life open to God. Those who, keep, those who fail to keep to this point will soon wander off into the cul-de-sac of gossips. They set themselves up as experts on religious issues, but haven't the remotest idea of what they're holding forth with such imposing eloquence. It's true that moral guidance and counsel need to be given, but the way you say it and to whom you say it is is as important as what you say. It's obvious, isn't it, that the law code isn't primarily for people who live responsibly, but for the irresponsible, who defy all authority, riding roughshod over God, life, sex, truth, whatever. They are contemptuous of this great message. I've been put in charge of this by the greater God. Thank you, Joel. Making our lives count. There's an old story about a college professor who was being ferried across a river and the professor chided the ferryman for his terrible grammar 
in the English language. As a matter of fact, he went so far as to say he decimated the language. But he learned in conversation with that fairman that that fairman had never attended school before or, or whole, during his whole life. And the professor responded, what? You've wasted half your life. A couple of hours later, the fairman looked to the professor and said, professor, did you ever learn to swim? And the professor said, no, I didn't. And the fairman said, well, in that case, you've listed, you've wasted your whole life. We're going down. <laughs> Have you ever thought about your life and how you've spent it? Because everyone has a life to spend, to give, to invest. For a wasted life is, is a terrible thing. It's stories told of the greatest jewel thief of all times. He committed more than 150 robberies in his life. He was a sort of Robin Hood. He only robbed those who were rich and gave to himself. <laughs> uh, he always wore a tuxedo. Every every uh, every jewelry uh, theft he went through, he even talked a number of people into not reporting him until he got away. He really was very charming. But the law finally caught up with him, and and he spent seventeen years in jail. And after he got out, uh, he began working another part in another part of the town where he lived. Uh, as a, as a waiter, making $50 a week. Well, a reporter wanted to talk about him, talk to him so that he could learn some things about how he was doing and how uh, his life was going. And so he finally tracked him down and asked him about his life of crime. Barry's response, well, when I was young, I was intelligent, I was charming, and I had guts. I could have made something of myself but I was busy outsmarting people like Jesse Livermore, the Wall Street Baron, and I robbed the first cousin of the King of England. But most of all, I robbed Arthur Barry. Arthur Barry had robbed himself because he'd invested so much time in robbing others. Let me ask you something this morning as we consider God's word and we consider the life of Paul. Could we possibly come to the end of our lives and discover that we have robbed ourselves of the opportunity to make our lives count. Could we conclude our lives have been wasted or can we say our life really mattered in God's economy? St. Paul's life really counted for us. He said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. I'm going to heaven. I've kept the faith. Call to mind those great people over the history of our world. They were, many of them were great inventors and statesmen. The women in our world who have left their mark, preachers. Impressive. The list is is. The who's who. We think of Martin Luther who started and really continued to foster the Protestant Revolution. 
or Leonardo da Vinci, who spent 13 years on his back, painstakingly painting the, Sistine, the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. He was using leaded paint that whole time. He still lived a good, full life, but his life counted for something. William Shakespeare, who was a playwright of the ages, John Bunyan, who was the guide of pilgrims as a, a Christian believer, Alexander Pope, his intellectual discoveries still guide thinkers today. How about Benjamin Franklin? Gave us the light that we enjoy. We won't be having it next week, but we got it here, and we'll have it for the rest of the week. Henry Ford broadened our borders by giving us the automobile. And we've been enjoying that and hardly, we hardly recognize an automobile compared to what he gave us way back. The fact remains that we've been blessed by these people, the Beethovens or John Wesley or Charles Spurgeon or Churchill or Gandhi, Einstein, Louis Pasteur and the boys from Alliston who discovered penicillin that we could go on. I search, the Bible tells us that in Ezekiel 22 and 30, the prophet was speaking for God and he, searched, he says, I searched for a person from my people who would stand and build the wall and stand in the gap and I could find no one. I hope this is never said of this generation of people that we're living in now, this generation of time. How about the patriarchs and the matriarchs of the Old and New Testament? Rahab, who was a, who was a, a, little, a lady of ill repute, helped make it possible for Joshua and his men to make their way into the city. And we could go on. Jesus made scores of others into difference makers who then flowed into the world like a ripple in the pond. Can my life count, you may ask? God's Holy Spirit is still searching for one more person whose heart is sold out to God, whom he can use to achieve his purposes here in this world. I'll never forget the story of Oscar Hammerstein II. He was once privileged to view the Statue of Liberty close up and personal from a helicopter. And what impressed Oscar the most was that the, the, sculptor had, the sculptor had taken so much attention to detail, even to the top of the statue. That sculptor knew that only the birds would, well, you know what birds do, on the top of that sculpt, sculpted Statue of Liberty. But little did he know that someday people would see it from above and take notice. He did a good job in the whole of the Statue of Liberty. Well, as good as the handiwork of human sculptures, sculptors are, and artists, and people who are inventors, it pales by comparison to the work of God in our bodies and in our lives. Talk about painstaking detail fact is that God works every day to draw us onto himself, to make it through his spirit, make us into the image our heavenly father wanted us to be like Jesus. I, that was an old chorus years ago. To be like Jesus, to be like Jesus, 
My mother said that she felt, my mother-in-law said that she felt that was sacrilege because nobody could be like Jesus. And I said, well, there's a little verse somewhere in the scripture that says, we can be like Jesus if we will but commit our entire being to him, that he would be our focal point for living. And uh, she withdrew that, withdrew that as her own life changed and she came to know Jesus Christ as her personal savior. The fact is that uh, painstaking detail is a wonderful thing. Look at you all. You are able, some of you, for years you've been doing, think of Lois, 92 years she's been buckling up herself and getting to church. And uh, she's been so faithful all these years. Danny has a good role model to watch in, her, in his mom. The fact is that all of us are in that place. All of us are role models, whether we want to be or not. And we can either reflect the presence of Jesus Christ, who is our recreator. We've actually said that we will follow him. Or we can live our own lives and waste our years in life. I'll never forget the story of, um, of uh, Anne Lamont in her book. She said she found herself broken, dr drunk, suffering, and broken and drunk, suffering from bulimia, depressed and addicted on drugs. She said, I found myself absolutely desperate. And so she set up an appointment with the family or the community, family too, priest, who ministered to her family. And she said to him, I'm so messed up that I can't imagine why God loves me. And the priest came back and said, well, God has to love you. It's his job. <laughs> I thought, that's a great response. I've never tried that, but I'm going to now. The fact is that all of us can reflect God's love in all that we do and all that we say. That's his job. God is love. The Bible says God is love. Several occasions he's talked about as love. But more than that, we, so we have one God who really loves us. He doesn't change. He's consistent day in and day out, which is more than I can say about myself. And most of the people that I know, we're not always consistent. As a matter of fact, sometimes we're downright inconsistent. But God is one God. He cares for us beyond anything we can imagine. <clears throat> Secondly, there's one mediator between God and us, the man Jesus Christ. Now Christ calls us to be mediators in our world, to mediate the presence of Christ in all we do. You may be the only image of Jesus Christ that anybody will see. Think of that. The handiwork of of each one of us is found, or rather the handiwork of God is found in every one of us. And you may say, well, I've deteriorated over the years. I can appreciate that, we all have. But the fact remains that we are called to reflect the presence of God's love, even as Jesus Christ did so long ago. Now Christ, if he calls us to be mediators, we also understand that when one person hurts, we're called to hurt with them. I'll never forget the book called Four Quartets by T.S. Eliot. She pictured the entire race in a hospital ward. There we lie, she said, sick and dying, 
but ministering to us as the most splendid physician ever, who, if we observe closely, has from time to time blood oozing from his hand as he takes care of us. He himself, the great physician, is also wounded, only he saves us, he heals us, and puts us back on our feet. Paul's life was grounded in the knowledge of Christ. He knew Christ. When you hear that, that part of when he's trying to encourage the young, his young disciples, he called them sons, both Timothy and Titus. He loved them. But more than that, he wanted to convey, he wanted to, be, he wanted to be, help them focus completely on Jesus Christ. That was his focal point. And so he did that. He began to teach them. He sent them all kinds of, well, not all kinds, but some letters. And he decided that he was going to make sure that these young disciples that he had were going to make it, were going to be the kind of, of people who impacted their world. And they did. Timothy and Titus. And he says to Timothy in this passage of Scripture, he says to them that, that he was called, he was called to make sure that the good news of Jesus Christ, that was his commission, he says, to make sure that the good news of Jesus Christ was projected and conveyed to all people. And so that was his focal point. There's two things that I've indicated in our in our bulletins this morning, that we, like Paul, need to be touched by two effects that can work through us. The first one is, is a focused effect, and that's what Paul says. He said, I, my only focus is to present the good news of Jesus Christ and to make sure that all those around me know and understand it to be the right, the good news focused on a single world-changing task. But I like the funnel effect better. We are to be funnels. Did you know you're a funnel? Oh, most of you here have used the funnel, if not everyone. They're pretty easy to use. They're a wonderful thing, because what they do is if you're pouring liquid, well, you start off with a larger end, and then as it goes through, why, it gets right into the container that you need to get it in. If it's a well, that's a funnel's a really necessary part. I can't, uh, I can't uh, make it uh, happen, you know, as well as I might like to. So the fact remains that all of us today are called not only to be focused on Jesus Christ and His Great Commission, but we're also to have a funnel effect in the world we are called to. We are to be funnels through which God's Holy Spirit can work in order that the good news might be accomplished. That's the good news. We are funnels and we are to be focused. That's his plan at work in us. Paul concludes that he did not waste his life, though he suggests it in one of the books. He said, I was so uh, 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 focused on making sure that all of Jesus' disciples were wiped out. He said it was to my demise for God, Jesus Christ met me on the road to Damascus and transformed my life. I was so changed and yet people still didn't know whether to trust him or not. You can appreciate that, can't you? Somebody betrays 
your, your faith and decides to press charges against you for your faith, I don't know if you'd trust them again, let alone trust them for the future. But Paul realizes that he didn't really waste his life. Can we say the same about ourselves? A renewed faith in God and Jesus Christ can work through us and giving us new energy. He gives us new power. As a matter of fact, he says he gives us the authority and the power to be called the sons and daughters of God. What a powerful truth, giving us new energy. If we will invest ourselves in others, recognizing that God can only work through a, a completely committed person who's decided that they're going to follow Jesus no matter what, to the extent that all of us may see that God works through us in amazing ways. Be open to it. We need to understand that God loves us, cares for us, and wants to work through us more than we want him to work through us ourselves. For God is looking so that others may see the good works of Christ in us and give glory to our Father in heaven. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. It is life and health. It gives us peace and joy. And we ask, Lord, that you would use us. Use us today. Help us to invest ourselves in others in order they may become fully committed to you. Through Christ we ask it. I want to tell you a story. Helen is not here and neither is her dad. But, um, but uh, her dad has been visiting George Braithwaite almost every week. And uh, George is a character. Anybody know him? Few. <laughs> he's a character. Uh, I always have a good visit with him. Uh, but he said to me, he said, you know, uh, that Gordon has been such a blessing to me. And I could have, you could have hit me with a two by four. Not that I'm surprised that Gordon wouldn't be, but the fact is that he's, He's, uh, he said to me that, that, that Gordon and him worked well together in years past on council. And, uh, but the other thing he said was, you know, Gordon was always there. If you needed Gordon's help, Gordon was there. And I thought, what a, what a wonderful, wonderful uh, testimony of him investing in other people because that's what it's all about. Uh, let's take, uh, uh, let's uh, now prepare our hearts for the offering of our lives and tithes and gifts, and the Lord bless you as you go.
Praise God in Jesus' holy Lord. Creator, word and spirit, Lord. Amen. Lord, use our gifts. After all, Lord, they come from you. Use both our gifts, our lives, and our resources to better and further the your kingdom. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. You may be seated. This time we're going to go to prayer for those needs in, uh, in our church, and there's a lot of them. Uh, but let's pray that God works in a powerful way in order that we might uh, touch some of these lives that are being mentioned. Even if we're just praying for them, that's not a just. Even if we're praying for them, that's a way to impact them. That's a way of touching their lives. Um, so let's go to the Lord in prayer and, uh, and ask the Lord to touch each of these lives and we'll give opportunity for you to bring them before the Lord towards the end of our prayer, those people that aren't listed here and that you may know, let us pray. Gracious God, we come to you and there's so many needs. But Lord, we also know that you're a God who hears us and answers our prayer. Lord, we think of those that are listed. We think of Adriana Foster and Terry and Robert and Ray and Sophia and Kelly, Harriet, Mar Mary, uh, Nick, Kathy, Ray, Bill, Stan. We think of those that are shut-ins, Lord, pray, pray for Rita and Audrey, and Madeline, and Dawn, and Donna, and others who are in, in homes today that really need you to go and visit them. As a matter of fact, we could too. We thank you, Lord, for those within your congregation, within your people, that have gone to visit others. God bless them. Be with them, Lord. Use them. We ask now, Lord, that... Uh, as we bring these requests to you, that you would visit them as well, that your spirit would touch their lives. Lord, I, I think of uh, those around us who, who need prayer and, and Lord, that maybe not were mentioned in the list, but Lord, in your mercy, as we bring them to you, hear our prayers. Lord, we think of the federal election that's coming up and there's a lot of implications in this, in this election. Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit guide the hearts and minds of your people across Canada, all people, the people that call Canada their home. Would you please guide them in bringing to power that one which will bring glory to you in all they do. We pray, Lord God, for those that are in authority over you at the present time in the federal system. We ask, Lord, that you would also give them wisdom and guidance. Lord, we pray that in just less than a month when we do go to the polls, that your will would be done. Lord, we also want to remember those elected on the provincial and the, and the municipal levels. We ask, Lord, that you'd be with them. We think, Lord, of all of those who we know and love, whether they are here at home or somewhere around the world, 
that, Lord, you would minister to them, that your spirit would be with them and guide them. Through Christ our Lord, who taught us to pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Would you take your hymn books as we close and turn with me to number 651.
Thank you for tuning into this week's service. Again, we would love to have you join us at one of our two Sunday morning services. First at 9.30 in either Elfin or Snow Road. We alternate week week after week throughout the summer. And then in the winter, we're only in Elfin. And then again at 11 a.m. in McDonald's Corners. Feel free to reach out to us on Facebook or call us at the number in the bulletin. We hope to hear from you soon, and we hope that this message has reached you wherever you are. Thank you.